0: To Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Okay, so we're going to start off from where we stopped, Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, Isaiah chapter 58, and I, I think it was at that point I said we should read up verse 12. Isaiah 58 verse 12. It was at that point I said we should read up the... The stories of Christian Zionists, and George Washington Carver. Isaiah fifty-eight verse twelve. Can we use the New Living Translation, the NLT? Isaiah fifty-eight verse twelve. The NLT, um, if we have it, look at it. Some of you, some of you, uses the word "some of you" because not everyone, right? would want to pay the price for this kind of life. He says, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Look at that. Think deeply about that. Praise God. Some of you will do what? Rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. That means when God is looking at the deserted ruins of our cities, what is God doing? He's looking at men that are going to rebuild it. He's looking at people that are going to rebuild it. Rebuilding the deserted ruins of cities. He says, then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes. I'll tell you something. You know, in the book of Psalms, David ascribed a name to God. David ascribed a name to God. He called God a father to the fatherless. Now, I ask you a question. How would God be a father to the fatherless? How would God be a father to the fatherless? In the 1900s, there was a missionary in London called George Muller. George Muller, by his faith in God, built an orphanage home. And he said, this orphanage home, we're not going to ask for money. We're going to um, trust God to give us supplies. And guess how many children went through that orphanage home? 10,000 children. 10,000 orphans were fed were clothed. That's how God became a father to those fatherless children. Every promise of God for your city in the scriptures will be fulfilled by a man. Some of you, we rebuild the desert ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of worlds and restorer of homes. Talking about families. Building families. Building homes. Where people can be raised up and in the nurture and in the fear of God. Our homes should be where the potentials of our children are unleashed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you still here? You know, Dr. Mars Monroe, phenomenal man of God, phenomenal man of God, before he went home to be with the Lord. He said one time he was in school, and his professor was talking about, uh, you know, of course, some racist comments and everything about people coming from animals and the rest. And he went home, and his mother told him, no, you were created in the image of God. His mother opened Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let's make man in our image. And taught him that. And that's how he discovered that. Most of Dr. Miles' teachings came from that verse. What what was that? Restore our homes. Our families ought to be environments where our best possibilities come out. Praise the name of the Lord. This is a vision you must have. It says, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. When we look at our city, when we look at this city that we're in right now, we should have a vision that God will use some of us. I have a friend who is working in Kibera slums in Kenya. Kibera slums is the largest slum in the world. In Africa, not, not in the world, in Africa. Uh, those of you who have an idea of Lagos. You know the way uh, Mark Koko is? When it comes to Kibera slums, Mark Koko is learning. Right? But I have a friend who went there and started a ministry there, reaching out. These literally are children who get up in the morning and where they go and look for food is the refuse dump. That's where they go and look for food, what people have dumped. Praise God. And there was a man in Kenya also. Uh, Mui. An excellent man. I think we watched the movie in our Bonnie Island Church uh, some years ago. Maybe, maybe one of these Thursdays we'll watch it here. Right? And God gave the man, he was an engineer, God gave him a vision. To rescue boys from that place. And train them. Teach them famine send them to school. I want to tell you this. This is not just the responsibility of church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the responsibility of the people that God has given that vision. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? Come on, are you hearing what I'm telling you? I want you to catch a vision that's bigger than your life. I want you to catch a vision that will take God to help you fulfill it. Not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you about a vision that's just your salary, that's just what you earn. No, something that captures the heart of God for the city, the heart of God for humanity, the heart of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Something that will require faith. It's called the supernatural life of the child of God. Let's not live a selfish life. Let's not live a life that's just, oh, you know, I earn 100,000. Everything I'm going to do in my life is going to be just based on this. No. Let's step out into the realm of faith and see God use us to change our city, to change our world. When we look at our nation today, we can see several uh, areas that are in ruins. But see, in the midst of this darkness, we found light. We are the light. I was telling someone the other time, I said um, I remember one time when uh, uh, Professor Dora was in charge of Navdak. Everybody knew what Navdak was. I don't even know who the, whether it's a chairman or chairperson. I don't even know who is there. Whether there's somebody there, I'm not even sure, but I'm sure there's somebody there no impact, no, nothing. But when this lady was there, it was clear. Somebody would say, that's why she died on time. Is it not better to have a short and impactful life than you have a long life that makes no meaning? You have a long life, right? Your life is very long. You have money. You are enjoying life. And people are dying through fake drugs. So it tells us something. That in the midst of darkness we can be light. Remember I told you something. You cannot change a world you love. And as Christians, when we look at our nation, when we look at our society, when you look at your streets, know that God is raising us to rebuild it. To rebuild it. To rebuild it. Have a vision to rebuild things. Not to run away from things, but to rebuild. It will require faith. What I'm telling you is not just a mere dream. It will require faith. And you don't need to be afraid. Because it's God that's going to use you to change lives. It's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by your might. But it's going to be by the spirit of God at work in your life. First of all, have it as a vision. The vision point is where any dream starts. What's your vision? Is it just what to eat, what to drink, and what to wear? Or you have a vision to partner with God, to collaborate with God, to change the world. Now, it says, then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls. Look at that word, rebuild, 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 rebuild. God doesn't want society destroyed. God doesn't want people's lives destroyed. God wants us to help in rebuilding it. Why do we ask people to come to church? It's not just because we want to have the largest church in the world. It's because we want them to be taught the truth of God's word. Because through the word of God, a man can rebuild his life. A man can rebuild his home. A man can rebuild his family. A man can rebuild his finances. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Say amen if you are here. It says, And you will be the restorer of homes. There are people who... Came out from all kinds of homes. Some of them, their fathers were absent. Some of them, their mothers were absent. And some, we have to take in. Praise God. When I mean taking, uh, I'm not talking about uh, them living in homes. Sometimes you might need to do that. But some of them, we have to act as their fathers, Hmm? as their mothers, to help them have a sense of destiny. You don't know. You don't know how blessed you are if you have a father who believed in you. You don't know how, you know, some adults today struggle because their parents never believed in them. Their parents spoke words that destroyed their soul. For some of those people, they might be walking under you. You cannot only be a boss to them, you have to be a father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You cannot just be paying them salary. You have to find out. Some people are working. Their souls are destroyed. They don't believe in themselves. You know, sometimes as a pastor, we we don't just, you know, a lot of our work doesn't just end on a Sunday morning. You just preach. No. There are some people we have to see through school. Some people we have to encourage. Their abilities to come forth. If you leave some people in this church, they will never do anything. They will just sit down. You have to pull them forth. You have to encourage them. Oh, I think you can do this. I think you can do this. What are you doing? You're speaking to the potentials on their inside. And every one of us have that responsibility. Not just the pastor. You might have a co-worker. Don't see that co-worker as a competitor. No. You are sent there in that job to be a rebuilder. Praise God. You know, I was praying about our work here. And God was speaking to me about young people in the city. You know, and, and, and as I was thinking about it, I, I saw the, boy, the work, working with young people. It's a lot of work. Sometimes you're working with young people. You know, they don't have money to come to church. You have to support them. You, you know, it's not a, it's not a profit-making <laughs> venture. Some of them you have to, and and you know, in my heart, it's almost like you're, you're starting ministry again. But it's exciting to watch lives unfold. Are you still here? It's exciting. I want you to catch a vision. And I want you to see this as the vision of this church for the city. We don't just want to be one of the churches in the city. We want to be a church that by the help of God, God is using us to rebuild certain portions, certain people in this city. We we have a vision larger than the four walls. We have a vision larger than the four walls. Praise God. Catch that vision. Abraham had 318 servants in his own house, trained in his own house, yet he hadn't had a child of his own. And these were the people he took to war to rescue Lot. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Is there something in this city that comes in your... You know when you drive past the slaughter, it's "Ah!" these boys, ah, they can steal somebody's phone. Is that all you see? Right? Is that all you see? Can I tell you something? I don't think anybody was born and then prayed and said, oh God, in this my life, I want to be a very good arm robber. So help me God. Do you think anybody prayed that prayer? Sometimes, circumstances. Now, we're not saying it's justified. I'm just saying sometimes circumstances, sometimes deprivation. I was in Ibadan, we're having uh, dear Timothy Ibadan, and I was driving with our staff. We drove past the guy on the pavement of the road, two o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was hot, the guy was sleeping. He wasn't uh, uh, mentally ill, I mean, he was just one of those boys who, you know, when I walked, I had finished teaching on dreams and purpose and everything. When, I, when we drove past, you know, I turned to my staff and I said, you know that person sleeping there, his concern is not even purpose. The man is not thinking, why did God create me? He just has one thing in his life right now. Where can I eat the next food? For somebody to sleep under the sun at 2 o'clock. <laughs> but you see, in that individual, there is the image of God. There is purpose. For those people, we have a responsibility to them. That's why, if you're here, don't think of yourself like you are suffering. You are not suffering. And you know, I told our church people, he was, say, ah, I'm very poor, I'm sure. I say, you don't know what poverty is. Be thanking God that you have an address to go to as you are living here. You have an address. You can say, this is where I stay. There are some people, as they get up in the morning, they don't know where they are going to sleep that night. They will keep walking and keep walking wherever night meets them. That's the address. You know those people, you can't send anything to them. They can't order anything from Jumia. <laughs> you can order something. Even though it's 1-5. And give Jumia an address. If you complain, you cannot change the world. World changers and history makers start from being an, having an attitude of gratitude for wherever you are, and then you keep moving. It's like George Washington cover that we read about, right? He's a slave. But he didn't, he didn't say, oh, he, you know, there were a lot of people who were slaves and just resigned to being slaves. And like our brother said, he got up 4 a.m. in the morning, praying, partnering with God. How many slaves want to pray? Rather, they will end up blaming God. Why am I a slave? Why am I not free? You cannot carry the blame game and change the world. Stop blaming your uncle. Stop blaming the... Blaming every... You see, we all can have something to blame. We all can have something to blame. Not everybody excelling in life had the kind of support you think they have. Praise God. Come on, are you here with me? Say amen if you're here. I was telling my son... When I was in SS2, uh, then WyEC was three thousand five hundred, They were about three thousand five hundred or four thousand. That was about what I was paying in school. And my parents could it was like they sh- I should choose between SS3 and enrollment for Wyack. So I didn't do SS three. I had to read up. They used that money to pay for for WIAC. And then I think they just introduced NECO then or something. So if you enrolled it two, maybe it would be. I mean, it was just. All they had was just to enroll those two exams. I remember the final exams I was writing. I was sick. I was, I'll throw up. I'll go and write. I'll go. I'll go and, and someone was telling me that, ah, don't write now. You are sick. I was telling the that if you know where this registration money came from. Because hmm? my father had told me, showed me a mechanic opposite us. The guy used, he used to call the guy who was a. Motorcycle repairer. My father said, "You have a, you have your siblings behind you. You have one go at this exam. Hmm? If you don't pass, that's where you end up." I've already spoken to him. So every time I sat in the exam hall, I pictured bicycle repairer. I knew that I had to pass. You can't you can't come from a poor home and still be foolish. You know that you don't have support. You are not, you are not doing rap in school. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Some things you don't need a pastor to preach to you. You sit yourself down and say, my journey is far. I need to start early. Are you hearing, are you hearing what I'm saying? I've always told, you know, my, 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 my son, I mean, I just think maybe because I'm interested in football. There was a time he came to me that ah, he wants to play football. <laughs> I said, okay. So what do you want? Say he wants to go to a football academy. So I asked him, I say, how many people come out from football academy and make it? And I told him, I don't have a problem with you playing football. I said, but in life, you don't put your destiny in what you don't have control over. The truth of the matter is that if you're doing music, if you're doing football, if you're doing some of these, I said, music and football, those two things, because we have a lot of young people. Let me tell you now, right? Music and football, you are not in control. That's the truth. You can sing all the songs you want in this world. One million songs. It is time and chance that happens to you that people like your song. The one they might like might not even be as good as your own, but it's time and chance. That time and chance, I don't know how it comes about. The same thing with football. You can be, I, There was a boy in my street that I think there are few people I've seen that are as talented as that boy. It's like he was born with football. Till today, he's still playing in the streets. It's time and chance. You don't want to put your life where time and chance will happen. I'm not saying give up your dream, but have a dream you can control. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why are you trusting God for that one? We will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Take it, take it, and I'm talking about the price for being a world changer. I want to give you some very practical examples. Look at someone like Mary Slessor, who came in as a missionary to Calabar, and we know her. Stopped the killing of twins. She paid a price. What was that price? She had to let go of her relationship because the young man didn't want to follow her to Africa. And remember, Africa we're talking about now is not Africa now that had lights. when the missionaries left to come to Africa they knew they were coming for their death sentence David Livingstone said anywhere provided it is forward he said as far as I see the lights from the heart of the African uh, uh, African cities the gospel needs to get in there people paid the price That is why sometimes when I see the way we treat the gospel today, it breaks my heart because, listen, this thing did not come to us cheap. People paid the price. And you know sometimes when the missionaries came, what did they do? Some of them built schools. Some of them built hospitals. They taught the word of God. It's not in our generation we will give excuse for not pressing on, for not doing something better and stronger. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? Come on, church. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? I want all of us to leave this service with a dream in our hearts. Ask God, what is my portion in the things you want to accomplish in this world? There was a missionary. They called them the Oxford Seven. There were seven of them. They went to Oxford in those days. One of them was Charles T. Stord. Great guys. And he felt a call to missions and charles t stord felt a call to china then he went to china began to preach to them like i said we all not will be missionaries we all not going to be but there is something god wants you to do in touching humanity that's what being a history maker and a world changer is. yes and it starts from today don't live only for what you can eat what you can drink, and what you can wear. Don't have those thoughts alone. You know, I was in Delta State yesterday. I had a uh, pastor's meeting. And um, I drove past the, the, the place I slept. I drove past one big house, very big house. So I was telling the person who picked me, I said, it's like people don't live here. He said, no. And it house is very big, very big, complex, you know, house. He said, the man and his family live overseas. They only come in December, maybe December once in a while. To just come in, stay and everything. And I was just thinking. It's not like it's bad, but I was just thinking what that property could be used for. I was just thinking. You see, one thing we must deal with as Christians is this. We need to understand where contentment and impact Right. The line between contentment and impact. You cannot really be impactful if you are not content. And you know why that happens? Because there will be a constant desire in you to get more. The truth of the matter is, and if you, if you read wide, you will understand what I'm saying. Most of the American millionaires, right? Millionaires and billionaires that we know, if we probably go to their homes... Right? Their houses where they live, and some, I know some are extravagant, but if you go to most of them, and then you go to the house of our average Senate president, you will be shocked. You will think that the Senate president is the millionaire. Why? Because here we have a culture of showing forth. And let me tell you, as a Christian, don't have that mindset, be impact driven. Be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be impact driven. Be impact conscious. Think impact. Think impact. Think influencing other people's life for good. Think that way. Don't think of a time where 50 cars will be packed in your garage. Don't think that way. That's not how history makers think. Praise God. Are, are you Are you with me this morning? It starts with our thinking. It starts with how we want to live. You know, I remember reading about Mother Teresa. You know, most of you have heard. I'm giving you some names too. Mother Teresa in Calcutta, India, before she passed on. She was a Catholic nun. And one day they were driving through the leper colony of Calcutta, India. And she said... You know, of course, nobody was taking care of the lepers. And she said something. That she wants the lepers to die with a smile on their face knowing that someone loved them. That was all. That was just the vision. That was her mind. And she started, you know, her organization. She began to take care of lepers. And as of when she died, over a hundred in over um, 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 100,000 people working in that organization taking care of lepers, won a Nobel Peace Prize. At the end of the day, what did she have? This culture of accumulation makes us not to be history makers. The Bible says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. We must respect the definition of Jesus. We must respect the definition of Jesus. Don't set your life thinking accumulation. Think impact. Think God's dream. Rebuilding the desired ruins of our cities. I want us as a church to be impactful in this community. Let's not just be here and just have a nice time. Let's think what we can do in this city. Praise God. You see, when we take on God's dream, God will release his provisions. When we take on the dream of God, God will release his provisions. When we take up the assignment of God, God will release his provisions. I am learning every day, every day, every day, every day to learn dependency on God, taking the limits of God, knowing that God wants to do mighty things in this world and I want to collaborate with God. I want to be a co-worker with God. Remember, we started at at the start of the series, meditating on that, meditate on that word. Paul says we are co-workers with God. We are co-laborers with God. We are co-laborers with God. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Now, let's, let's read something. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Matthew 4 and verse 19. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Now, let's go to verse 18. We're talking about the price of being a world changer he says now as jesus was walking by the sea of galilee he saw two brothers simon who was called peter and andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and i will make you fishers of men follow me follow me follow me and i will make you fishers of men immediately they left their net and followed him. Look at this. These guys were fishing with their father and Jesus walking past. He says, come, I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says they immediately left the net and followed Jesus. The prize of being a world changer. I'm talking about following Jesus. You see, following Jesus will not be convenient for our flesh. Following Jesus will make us make some hard choices. One of the greatest challenges we have today is that we don't want to leave the world. We want to serve Jesus and still be relevant in the world. We we don't want to make a distinction. We are afraid of persecution. We are afraid of the truth. We don't want to side with the truth. We don't even want people to know that we're Christians. You know, uh, it's almost like we miss the world. Almost like Jesus is a disturbance in our life. Hmm? It's almost like, ah, if I had my way, I would not accept Jesus. We almost feel like How much sin can I accommodate in my life and still make heaven? It's it's not about separating ourselves to righteousness. It's about how close can we be. (laughs) That's why, I mean, we have a singles meeting this evening. That's why sometimes I, I, I wonder some of the questions that we ask. You know, sometimes the question someone asks shows you where their heart is. That's the truth. One day a man asked me about, he was talking about tithing. So he was asking me about tithing. And he said, so, you know, in the course of the conversion, I told him something. I said, let's assume, let's just assume that this is Old Testament. I I just said, I said, let's assume that it's Old Testament. What will you do? He said, hey, then I know that I can be giving my tithe once in a while. So I said, no problem. Then I asked him a question. I said, if you were leading the church, if you were the pastor of the church, you were leading the church, I said, how would you... So I, 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 I swapped the roles, you know, as a member and, and you're the pastor. And he said, eh, I don't think that will work. So I now asked him a couple of questions. I said, do you know that the bills that are paid in the church, we don't pay them as we are led. So, said, you know that electricity is not paid as led. Rent is not paid as led. These are things that are static. I said, the truth of the matter is that it's very simple. Your fighting is your consistent commitments so that the bills of the church are picked up. It's 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 your responsibility. It's the same way when we talk about being a world changer and a history maker. You can drive through the streets and close your eyes because you're comfortable. And you can still drive through the streets and feel a sense of responsibility. The reason we have the, the kind of leaders we have in our church today, sim, uh, in, our, um, in our society today, is simple. Eh? It's a sense of what? No responsibility. The man becomes a president, he locks himself up there. The man becomes a senator, he locks himself up there. We also as Christians can live that way. Praise God. We can also live that way. We can live without a sense of responsibility to our world. Or we can live with a sense of responsibility. First of all, in sharing the gospel. Secondly, in shaping humanity to become better. When you see that young man. You, you, you tell yourself, if this young man was my child, what would be my response? If this uh, girl was my sister, what would be my response? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? And we trust God and start acting like that. See, this thing will take faith. Nobody changes the world without faith. Nobody transforms cities without faith. He says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to change what you're fishing. Instead of fish, catching fishes alone at this lower level, or just a fish to eat, I'm going to make you world changers and history makers. I'll teach you how to catch men. I will change what you do and expound it to a greater level. And three and a half years, they followed Jesus. Many years later, these men began to walk with Jesus. And you know what the Bible says? It says, when they saw them, they saw that they were uneducated, but they had knowledge that they had been with Jesus. If you walk with God, it will rub off. See, the greatest thing in this work of our faith is developing your relationship with God. When you develop your relationship with God, God will give you ideas. God will speak to you. God will open up to you. And I like what our brother said about uh, uh, George Washington Carver fellowshipping with God at 4 a.m., you can't be too busy not to pray. Why do we say take notes in church? It's not because we just want you. No, these are things you should go back home on, meditate on, pray on. And God will begin to speak to you. If we are going to take God's dreams seriously, we have to take our Christian walk seriously. We need to restore again the culture of discipleship. As children of God. This world needs help. That's the truth. This world needs help. And we are the help that God is sending. God is not going to come down to change our world. We are the ones to change it. He says follow me. Come follow me. Our first pursuit. In being history makers and world changers. Is following God. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Our first response is to follow God. It's to follow God. Cultivating your relationship with God. Get back to your sacred place. Get back to your devotion. Get back to your devotion. You know, I, I, we do online prayers as a church once in a while. We don't, we don't really do it all the time. And there's a reason we don't do it all the time. There's a reason we don't do it all the time. It's not as if we cannot do it. But the truth of the matter is that those prayer, online prayers, are not to replace your personal devotion. You need to have devotions with God every day. Not led by someone. Your fellowship with God. Because what God wants to speak to you today might be different from what God wants to speak to this person tomorrow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have a unique walk with God. A unique space with God. Get back to reading the word again. Make up your mind today that you're going to follow Jesus. It will cost you. I'm not saying it will be cheap. It will cost you. It costed these people. They had to leave their fathers. They had to leave their mother. Immediately, they followed him. Do you know how their father would think of them? Imagine going with your father on a fishing expenditure, right? And a man was walking past. and said, come, I'll make you fishers of men. And you jump from the boat. Start following him. We admire the disciples of Jesus today. But we don't think of the price they paid. What do you think hmm, when we read the story of Isaac and Abraham? It's interesting, right? Give me your son, your only son. I mean, if you think that's, that's, that's a nice word to hear, to be a history maker, right? I remember one time, I had this very nice shirt. You know, so in my spirit, I felt to give it to a brother. So, I was like, ah, no, not this one. So I gave the brother another one. And you know how the Holy Spirit works on your inside. I wasn't comfortable the next day. I saw the brother. I still felt give him this shirt. I said, no. And you know, God really works in our heart because sometimes he... He would ask you to give things to people you don't think deserve it or qualify for it sometimes. You know, I ended up giving the brother three shirts. So one day I just stood. It wasn't like I had a lot of shirts. I just told myself, if I continue in this disobedience, my wardrobe will be empty, and at the end of the day, I will still give him what, you know, I felt in my spirit. I had to obey God. See, what I'm trying to tell you is that obeying God is usually not palatable. Sometimes righteousness will cost you. We talked about Joseph, right? Being the prime minister of Egypt, it costed him some years in prison. Some years in Potiphar's... uh, Potiphar had put him in prison for standing for what is right. Sometimes standing for what is right will not bring immediate promotion. It will cost us. That's the truth we must be told. Standing for righteousness at times will cost you. It will make you lose things that look very obvious but you have to trust God that if I do what God says I should do he will keep his end of the bargain hallelujah are you still here the price to be a world changer there are spiritual price to pay there are natural price to pay you cannot be a world changer who does not like to read how will you change a world you don't even know about some, some of us might be too lazy to read, too lazy to develop ourselves, yet we want to touch the world. You need to cut out extra activities from your life that will not lead to your purpose. These are years of focus and increase, and you need to be focused. You know, there's some issues that are coming up around me, and I just tell the people I'm not interested. And you know what I'm not interested? I don't want distraction. It's easy to be distracted by good things. Praise the name of the Lord. If you ask yourself why you don't read your Bible consistently, it's distraction. Why you're not praying constantly, it's distraction. Any man, let me tell you something. Anybody who is doing anything in this world has the same 24 hours that you have. The only difference is what they are using it for. So there's the price of discipleship. And the price of discipleship means that we follow Jesus. Matthew 16, 24. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Praise God. Matthew 16, 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He says, "If you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, what does the Bible say? You will gain it." And you know, we don't want to lose our life. We don't want to lose our life. Today we live in a self-world. Right? Mm, that's the truth. That's, that's what is all over the internet. Self-care. Mm? Self-love. Love yourself. Pamper yourself. <laughs> yeah. And they'll quote the Bible. It says, love your neighbor. See, but that's not The Bible says, love your neighbor. You say, love yourself. If you don't love yourself, how will you love your neighbor? It's yourself you have to love first. <laughs> and so, we have created a selfish world. Huh? Husbands and wife. Everybody's trying to love themselves first. You know what the Bible says? It says, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and did what? I didn't hear that. And did what? And gave himself. Can you see for God so loved the world what did God do he gave christian love is not self preservation christian love is self sacrifice the love that is self preservation is the love of the world christian love is self preservation there is no how you talk about christian love without sacrifice you see even when people give they are not giving because they have a lot is what Sacrifice, second Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible talks about the grace that was on the Macedonian churches that out of their deep poverty they gave. Is it because they have no, they don't? And we have that mindset that people who give is because they have a lot of money. No, let me explain something to you, you don't understand about life. The more money you have, the more responsibilities you have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody can be staying in a house, his house rent is one million a year. You are staying in a house of 60,000. If that man has um, two million. Let's say the man has the total money he has is two million. You realize that one million already has gone to pay his house rent. People don't give because they have. People give because of love for either the project or the people. That's why some of you that are in relationship that shouldn't be in relationship that you don't have money, you still sacrifice. You will give money and trek. Are you are you giving money to the girl because you, you have money? No but it's love, in quote. Alright? <laughs> so far, I had love there. Eh? Eh? Say, ah, no, 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 no. Enter Uba, we order Uba for you, and you know that that's the last money you can. Say, how will you go? Say, don't worry, I'll just see my friend uh, just by this corner. This corner is 3.2 kilometers to your house. But uh, you, you, you understand me? That boy is not giving because he has abundance. He's giving out of Quote and unquote, love. So love is self-sacrificing. If we, if, we, if we love God, we will sacrifice for God. We will give our time to God. We'll give our treasure to God. There's nothing we want to build of impact that will come by comfort and convenience. You can't talk about having a soft life and changing the world there is a price to pay. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? Come on, talk to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a price to pay. If you want to get better at anything, there is a corresponding price. It's called the the price for greatness. This thing I want to become, what will it cost me? This life I want to live, what will it cost me? It will cost you something. Let's stop living like we can live life in our own terms and still make impact. No, a thousand times no. Bishop David Odebo said, world changers don't have normal schedules. Huh? We talked about George Washington Carver getting up at 4 a.m. as a slave to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Before he would go and do his slave duties, that was the only time he had. John Wesley, history had it, that he was writing some journals on horseback, writing some books on horseback. You can imagine how unstable horseback is. And he he needed to do all those things. The mother of uh, John Wesley, uh, Susanna Wesley, had seven boys. Out of the seven boys, uh, there was John and Charles Wesley. And she would, would, in in trying to get space to pray, she would put a cloth over her head and tell the boys, I want to pray right now. She took care of seven boys, gave the the world two world changers, Charles and John Wesley. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist Church. They wrote several hymns uh, between both of them. And that woman still found time to pray and to raise godly children. Today we don't have time. And why is it that some of us don't have time? We're on our phones, Hmm? listening to gossip. Every celebrity that have divorced, you know the story. You, you don't know them, but you know the story. If somebody, you can say in 2010, they went to Dubai for vacation. You are tracking somebody's life record. You see, some of us know too much of things we should not know. And we know less of the things that concerns us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I see how some people follow football. I, I, I like football. I mean, I watch football when I have the time. The way some people follow football, you will think that their their future dependent on the winning of their whatever their football club is. And you know those people don't know that you are alive. Oh, they don't they don't know that you're alive. You see people fall into depression when their team loses. And hmm? you see people excited when their team wins, passionate. They know all the transfer fee, know the transfer figure, know which prayer they will sell. Uh, you need to hear some people talk about sports. And you will think that they are commentators. They've never gotten a job. Don't know too much of what you should not know. That is not contributing directly to the progress of your life. Are uh, you know say, Some things are hobbies. It's fine. It's okay. I mean, you do that for relaxation of a sport. It's not that you now know more football than your work. So even as you are walking, you are arguing football. As you are walking, you are arguing football, you now screw the wrong knots. The sake. What will you tell your children made them to drop you from work? You were arguing about a goal that VARO did not see. Is that what you should be talking about at your work? So, you see, let me tell you something. If you want to be effective in this life, you must understand that there is a time for everything. Don't work with talkatives if you want to make impact. People who talk too much really, really change the world because they have less time to think. You're at work. Focus on your work. Be that one staff that if you want to travel, your boss will say, no, please don't travel. Be valuable to everybody you work for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anybody, see, be valuable to them. Be valuable to them. We cannot talk of changing the world when we have not changed our workspace. You know what Laban told Jacob? He says, I learned by experience since you came in. My business had grown. Laban says, I want to leave." He says, name your price. What will I pay you? Laban said, it's not a matter of price. He was so good. Look at Daniel. Daniel was so good. The king, you know, made that decree. They made him to make that decree. And Daniel was in the lions. And the Bible says the king could not sleep. And in the morning he rushed and said, "Oh, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you?" Daniel was good. You know, if some of us go and make our boss now and say, um, "Maybe you were playing a prank," eh, to say, "Oh, I want to tell the man I want to leave. Let me see how they really value me in this company." Don't play that kind of prank. Just go say, sir, I'm thinking of living. I might <laughs> say, oh, do you have transport? Because <laughs> there's, there's zero value. Be valuable. See, let me tell you, anything committed into your hands must not die. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a child, whether it's a business, whether it's a department. No, everything in my hands multiplies. Don't fail at anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Make up your mind. Don't fail at anything. Let everything given to you increase. Experience the blessing. So, there is a price. The price of following Jesus. The price of laying our life down. This will include certain choices. This will include certain choices. The choice of being a disciple of Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It's to follow the teachings of Jesus. Not to choose which one to follow and which one not to follow. Follow the teachings of Jesus. To follow the teachings of Jesus. To follow the instructions of the master. The word disciple in the Greek means a disciplined learner. A disciplined learner. That's why when you come to this house, we are a training center. We are a teaching center. We want to raise disciples. We don't just want to raise church goers. We want you to be a disciplined learner of the word. Hallelujah. Want you to be what? A disciplined learner of the word. Thank you, Lord. Want you to be a disciplined learner of the word? A disciplined learner of God's word. You have your morning devotions. You have the time where you are meditating on the word of God. You feed on the word of God. It's, it's the word of God you feed on that God will work within in you and through you to be able to change the world. You have your Bible reading plan. You're fellowshipping with the Lord in spirit and in prayer and in worship. Interceding for the city. Praying for the city of potako Praying for the family. Praying for the areas you feel God is calling you to. As God began to stir our towards the young people, spending my time to pray. It, it can be easy. These things can be easy. 15 minutes every day, I'll pray regarding this area that my heart is pulling towards. Oh, I like to take care of widows. Oh, I like to take care of orphans. Why don't you have a time where you start interceding for that thing? You see, the first place that your vision must start from is the place of prayer. That's the first place. Oh, I want to reach many people for Christ. Starts with prayer. 15 minutes every day. 10 minutes every day. 30 minutes every day. Before Charles um, T. Stott went to China, you know, uh, a, a veteran missionary told him, he says, Charles, you're going to China? And the man said, yes. He said, have you conquered China on your knees? That's the first thing he asked him. That's the first thing he asked him. Have you conquered China on your knees? The first place we change the world is on our knees. Martin Luther said, "I am not going to do greater works." He says, "Prayer is the greater work." Many years ago, uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, he had a Bible school in in, in London. He was pastoring a church in London and large church, and uh, a man came to visit him, and he says. I want to see the fireplace that holds this building. Right? You know, in, in those days, they have like fireplaces where they used for heating. And Charles Pogion took him to an underground room. And the man said, he found men praying. And Charles Pogion says, This is the fireplace that holds this building. This is the fireplace that holds this building. We cannot let the, the, the prayer altar in our lives go down. Don't be a prayerless Christian. Right? Changing the world will require spiritual force. It has to be done by the spirit of prayer. The spirit of prayer. Be a man of prayer. Praise God. (laughs) One of my dear brothers, you know, I was having a chat with him yesterday. And it's something that I, I, I intentionally correct every time I see it. I don't I don't change it. I don't, I don't let it fly. I change it. Right? People say, ah, I want a man who, I want to be a man who will marry a praying woman. So I ask, the, I ask, I say, so you can do what? Hmm? Why don't you be the person who the woman says, I want to marry a praying man? Why do we like praying women? So we can do what? Huh? So you can be reading newspaper and be watching African Nations Cup. And somebody's all praying for you. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't ever forget what I'm going to tell you today. Don't ever depend on anybody's prayer in life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do your own praying. Because the person who you think is praying for you might be so tired that day and is sleeping your life cannot be at the mercy of someone else's prayer, except your life is not important to you. I know my wife prays for me, but I've never depended on her prayer to do whatever I'm doing. What about if she's tired? I mean, she might have the heart, but taking care of children, doing this, and she's tired. And me, I just went to sleep. Hmm? I wanted to travel, right? Then I just said, ah, my wife is praying for me. This journey will be safe. Let me just sleep. And that day too, she sleeps. Eh? <laughs> eh? And that, God forbid, that's the day that your driver will now see a snake and run from a snake and now go in front of a 9 Yeah, you know you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, foolish decision. No. You are responsible for the realities you create in your life. There are things you must not delegate. Prayer is one of them. one day my son had something in his teeth and he needed to go see the dentist so when we were going, when I was driving him, I was telling him I said, you know, I use my faith for you, I pray for you, you've worked in health all your life, I said, well you're becoming uh, becoming responsible for your own choices now, you have to develop your own faith so I gave him some Brother Hagen books, I gave him some messages I used to listen to, I said, start listening to this message build your own faith, because being a pastor's child is not a guarantee for a successful life The word the word of God is not written like that. There are no special credits for being a pastor's child. It's just that you are a child of a pastor, just as you have a child of a mechanic, just as you have a child of a doctor. So don't feel my father's grace is covering me. Gather your own grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't live by those assumptions. That's why you can have two people in the church. One's life is making progress. The other one is not making progress. Why? Sometimes it's about adhering to instructions. Take responsibility for your life. Don't live your prayer life for uh, someone who is a prayer warrior. Why are you not a prayer warrior? Do you realize when Jesus was going to die, interesting, your master was going to die, took these disciples, right? Took these disciples to go and pray with him. Eh? And what happened? Talk to me. What happened? What happened? Come on, church. What happened? Disciples of Jesus. So we're not saying disciples of Pastor Mark. So Jesus, these guys followed Jesus for three and a half years. <laughs> Prayed for one hour. Jesus went He little what I was praying. Imagine Jesus just saying, ah, thank God I've raised these man for three and a half years. They are standing with me. The Bible says he came. They were sleeping. Let's assume that was a mistake. Then he told them again. Could you not watch me for one hour? And I'm imagining the disciples just looking and say, "Has he gone?" I say, "Yes." Ah, this man. Say, "This man, <laughs> man can worry." <laughs> he slept again. Two hours. Third time he came back. You know what I told them the third time? He said, "Sleep on." He just told them, "Sleep on." And they didn't know why he told them to pray because I told them to pray to overcome temptation. They didn't know. They didn't understand. That. And I'll tell you one of the things that prayer does. Prayer helps you not to respond in the flesh. Because people will tempt you. In this world, there are wicked people. There are people who want to see your anger. So we're not saying there are no wicked people. And they came to to kill, they came to take Jesus. Jesus called um, Judas friend. He said, friend. How was Jesus able to call someone who would betray him friend? He spent some time in prayer. Before you know what was happening, Peter took out sword and caught, I'm sure her, it was the neck he was going for. Maybe the guy dodged. Sliced up someone's ear. Fleshy response. He had to make Jesus conduct a healing service on the way to the cross. He says, Put your sword back. Say, Don't you know I have access to legions of angels? Let me explain something to you in that as a wrap up. Don't do with a sword what legions of angels can accomplish for you. What am I trying to say? don't try to power and solve problems in the flesh when you have access to spiritual resources. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have access to vast spiritual resources, vast angelic help, vast angelic assistance. Don't be a man who rushes for the sword. Why education is good, don't depend on your education at the expense of the favor of God and the mercy of God and the goodness of God and the blessing of God. If Peter had spent some time to pray, he would not have responded in the flesh. He would have responded in the spirit. In Esther 4.16, there was was an opportunity to change the world. Mordecai approached Esther. And Esther said, if I perish, I perish. Radical decision. Esther 4.16. Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for, the, for, three days, night, or, for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. This woman made a radical decision to save the Jews. Even in the midst of abundance, she was fasting. There are consecrations we have to take if we want to change the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like you might have resources, but you're giving. You have food, but you're fasting. Time you could use for other things. You're praying. It's not just for yourself. She was comfortable. Right? She was comfortable. But Monica said, even if you don't participate in this, he says God will raise help from another source. She was comfortable. So, we can be comfortable, but comfort does not mean that that's where we should stay. Sometimes we have to, in the midst of comfort, make sacrifices because of a greater vision. If we live for our comfort alone, we'll not be able to make these sacrifices. But for the sake of the dream of God, but for the sake of the preservation of the people of God, but for the sake of the deliverance of God's people, but for the sake of the things that God wants to accomplish in and through our lives, we have to pay certain prices, children of God. It will not come by comfort. We cannot just rely on comfort. If we want our church to grow, it's not just be by comfort. We are not just going to wish the church will grow. There will be prizes to pay. There will be people who are willing to go for full up. There will be people who are willing to talk to people about the church. There will be people who will be willing to spread the message. Nothing works if people don't work it. Your life will not work if you don't work it. The society will not change if we don't do something. Are you following what I'm saying now? Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying? I want you to take a hold of this series. And go back to all the four parts I've taught on. And meditate on it again. And start praying again about it. Start praying again about it. Make up your mind that you're going to be committed to the local church. You're going to find your place in the local church. And when you get in the local church, it's not so much of what the local church can do for you, but asking, first of all, how can I be part of the local church? How can I be committed to the local church? And how can we cause change in the environment that God is putting on? Let this thing not just be, um, how do I put it now? Let this thing not just be um, religion to us oh, I'm a Christian, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I go to church on Sundays. Let it move beyond that. Let's get into the heart of God. Let God use us to transform our world. Let at the end of our life, we look back and we can say, you know what? God used us to touch our world. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Let's be on our faith. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 805 7575 God bless you.